Hi, Josh Sorrell here from Sandhill FWB Church in Sandusky, Ohio. The podcast that you're about to enjoy was given live before our congregation here at Sandhill, and we pray that this podcast will encourage and challenge your walk with Christ. For more sermons like this, as well as additional Christian content, visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com or check out our social media pages on YouTube and Facebook, keyword Sandhill FWB Church. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. So we've been studying through the book of Romans for a long time now and just going verse by verse and chapter by chapter. And we come now to the 10th chapter of Romans. And I didn't plan this, but just kind of coincidentally, we were speaking Wednesday about the explicit gospel which we plan on starting this week. And this is about as explicit of the gospel as you can get right here, uh, right before us. So God's timing is always perfect. So let me let me say this about this morning's message again. I don't think it's going to be a real long message, but let me say this. A lot of this stuff I have preached over and over and over, and, and maybe some of you haven't heard it, but, but a lot of this has been preached. But let me just say this. We need to get this right. We need to get this right. And... As I read over this and studied this out, and, and I'm just going to try and preach exactly what it says, um, I, don't, I don't see wiggle room here. People often say there's so many different beliefs about salvation, but there's only one biblical salvation. And all the different ones are, are a distortion of the truth. And this, as I read this, and I, I'm going to just try and take the message just straight from what I just read to you, it's It's clear. It's clear what salvation is, and it's clear what salvation is not. And that's what we're going to try and give to you this morning. So <clears throat> I've, I've said this many times, but I, I want to I uh, give you this opening thought. Um, throughout the New Testament, it seems clear to me anyway, that there is, a, a, there is two types of faith. There is a faith that will get you to heaven, and there is a faith that will not. And just over and over again, the parables that Jesus taught and in different places, it speaks about a faith, uh, but then there's the faith that will get you to heaven. So it seems that there are, there are different faiths. And, and I believe the reason that is is, is because today there are, uh, uh, there, there are people all over who would say they have faith in God. Are all those people going to heaven? No, they're not. Right. But this right here is going to tell us the ones who have real faith. And that's the way we titled it. Which faith. So which faith do you have? It is important if you were here this morning looking across the congregation. It is important that you have the right faith. Amen. Because if you got the wrong faith, you can sit in church, you can do all the right things and you will go to hell. It takes the right faith to get to heaven. So we need to know what that is. <clears throat> so what is the faith? That will save you. So, so Paul starts out with first of all, he makes he wants to make it clear because he is an apostle to the Gentiles, and he spent all chapter nine talking about his uh, Jewish brethren. But he makes it real clear. If I could just put verse number one into my own words, Paul makes it real clear. He says this. He said, "I know I'm an apostle to the Gentiles, and, and I and I've kind of taken that on as my ministry. But I want you to understand, I want the Jews to be saved." Is that what he's saying? I want the Jews to be saved. I, I want all of my kinsmen, all of Israel, I want them to come in and be saved. In other words, I haven't turned my back on you. I haven't forgot about you. God's called me to minister to the Gentiles, but I love the Jewish people and I want them to be saved. So he starts out, out with that clarification on his own ministry. <clears throat> and then he jumps right into verse number two. For I bear them record, talking about Israel, that they have a zeal of God. 
wouldn't that have to be a good thing? Just think about it. The zeal of God. That had to be a good thing. Do you realize this zeal of God took them to hell? I just let that sink in for just a minute. The zeal of God, that means the enthusiasm, the passion, the excitement, the, the, the diligence, the doing it really with all your heart, the zeal of God. But this zeal of God right here, taking all of them to hell. I think that's why we got to understand there's two faiths. Okay? So let me, let me just ask you this question. I, I, want you guys to, I want you guys to get this. Are there people who genuinely are serving God with all of their heart and are not going to heaven? Yeah, because they don't have faith. And that's what this is going to teach us. But Paul follows up, the zeal, they have the zeal of God, but then he, what does he say? But not according to knowledge. Is it important that we get this right? See, Paul says, there, if I can put him on words, he's talking about Israel here, but I think we can bring this over into Christianity, bring this over into us today. There are a lot of good people doing a lot of good things. There are a lot of people with a lot of zeal and a lot of passion and, and a lot of uh, commitment and devotion. There are a lot of people doing a lot of right things, but they're not doing it according to knowledge. And because they don't do it according to knowledge, they're not going to go to heaven. How terrifying is it to think that you could sit in a pew every time the doors are open you could pay your tithes you could not lie and cuss and drink and commit adultery and all those things and at the end of the journey he would say depart from me you worker of iniquity I never knew you this is serious and it has blown my mind, and again, I know I've preached these things many, many times, but it has blown my mind. We want to argue about all these different things, kind of what Wednesday night is going to be about, but we want to argue about all these different beliefs in the church. But can I just say, until we understand the gospel, we need to quit arguing about all the rest of that stuff. It doesn't matter. <laughs> if I'm going to hell, I don't care about all that other stuff. What matters is, is we know how to get to heaven. We get that all straightened out and clear, then we can move on. So Paul said they have a zeal of God. Point number one, <clears throat> So, some work very hard without knowledge. Is that not true? Uh, there are people who, there are people today, they have a list of things that they won't do. Is, isn't that true? We, we've seen a lot of these people. I'm talking about good moral people. They would not dream of committing adultery. They would not dream of drinking or lying or cussing or, or all that. There, there are people who, who they're, they're just, I will not do that. Put a gun in my head. I will not do that. Do you know that doesn't make you saved? Is that hard to understand? Because, see, I think sometimes we think good people go to heaven. Here's the problem. There are no good people. There's no good people. <laughs> so you can do all these right things on your list, and, and you still go to hell because it isn't about how good you are. It's about how good he is. And if we get that mixed up, then, then none of the rest of this makes sense. So there are some people that are working very hard without knowledge. They have a list of things they won't do. They have a list of things they, they have to do. Oh, I have to do this, and I have to do that. And if, boy, I have to do this. If, if I don't do this, boy, I'm not a Christian. And all these things that they have to do, and you can do every one of those things, still not go to heaven. So how do we get to heaven, guys? Brother Charles, if it's not about doing all the good things, how are we going to get to heaven? If it's not about not doing the bad things, how are we going to get to heaven? 
If, if it isn't about how good I am, then what's it about? How do we get to heaven? I think that's a legitimate question, and I think that we need to answer that question. So they are very committed to their list. I have seen, uh, in my own life, I have seen people uh, that, 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 I, that I would very much doubt that they were saved, but they were far more committed than many of you sitting here this morning to what they believed. But you know what you believe isn't what's going to get you to heaven? Because what you believe is, is the wrong kind of faith. <clears throat> Judges 21, 25, uh, if you're familiar with, the, with your Bible, this is a very dark time in history. And really, of all of the Word of God, Genesis, Revelation, this is probably the darkest time recorded. But it says this, in, in those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. I think this is how we should live. I think this is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is wrong. I think this is right, and this is right, and this is right. Everybody did what they thought was right. Isn't that what a lot of people think Christianity is? Christianity is me doing what I think is right. I, I've heard people say, well, if you, if, you know, if you treat your neighbor right and love other people and, 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 you know, and, and do, live a good life, you'll go to heaven. No, you won't. We've got to get this straight. You don't go to heaven by being good. It, it, it is simply not in, in the word of God. So we got we to get this right. <clears throat> and there are good religious people who are not saved. They're lost. Are, do you guys, are you guys with me? Am, am I up on myself up here? Are there good religious people that are keeping all the lists and doing all the right things and they're not going to heaven? There are. Absolutely there are. Jesus one time said, I believe about the seventh chapter of Matthew, he one time said, he said, you'll come before me and you'll say, we've, we've, uh, we've prophesied in your name and we've cast out demons and we've, we've done all this churchy stuff. We've been going to church. We've been doing all these things. And he's going to look at them and say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. You was never one of mine. Doing all the church stuff. Church stuff ain't going to get you to heaven. Church stuff ain't going to get you to heaven. And, and the Bible is so clear about that. So then Paul says they don't have knowledge. They have the zeal of God. There's a lot of enthusiasm. There's a lot of passion. They're, they're very diligent and committed to what they're doing, but they're not doing it according to knowledge. They, they've, they've, they've not understood the truth. And then Paul goes on to say in verse 3, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness. Let me stop right there just a minute. Is there a difference between God's righteousness and your righteousness? So we can't get that mixed up, guys. <laughs> See, your righteousness is you doing all the right things. God's righteousness is he's holy and perfect. Those two things are not the same. And, and so there's a righteousness of God uh, that, that the Jews were ignorant of. So it says, <clears throat> and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. So to point one, we have all these people that are good religious people doing all these good things. That's their righteousness. But their righteousness will take them to hell. And the righteousness of God, point number two, is a totally different thing. The Bible says that God is holy. Do you guys know what that means? I mean, the word, def the definition actually means that he's not like anything else. Well, amen. 
There's nothing like God, right? There's not a, a, a counterpart. God is completely separate from everything else. But it also means very clearly he is sinless. He is completely perfect. He has no sin. Uh, there, there's, there's nothing. Jesus Christ came and lived as God on earth in a man's body. He lived 33 and a half years with no sin, what, never a bad thought, never a bad comment, never a bad action, uh, no, no sin whatsoever in the Son of God. But there's no sin in the Father, sinless perfection. Here's the problem. Not only is God holy, you got to get this, guys. This is the whole crux. You guys got to get this. He can only accept holy, sinless people. Raise your hand if you're a holy, sinless person this morning. Come on, raise your hand, all you good Christian people here. Right? Who can say I'm sinless? Who can say I'm holy? Well, God says I can't have anything to do with you. If you're not sinless and holy, that is what the Bible says. You cannot fellowship with God if you have anything wrong with you. Uh, uh, Paul's going to go on there, I think, in another verse or so, and he says those who would live by the law, uh, he said they have to live by all the law. So what he's saying is if you say I will be justified by the law, you can't keep 99.9% .9 of it because you will die and go to hell. You have to keep 100% of it. If you miss one fraction of it, you are lost. Who wants to take that bet? Who wants to stake your life that you get everything right? So there's a problem here. God's holy, completely sinless. He will not fellowship nor accept anyone who's not completely holy and sinless. Does anybody see we have a problem? <laughs> we have a problem because none of us here are sinless. But Brother Charles, I say I'm one of his. I say I'm his child. I say I'm in a relationship with him. How can I be in a relationship with him if he won't accept anyone who's not holy and sinless and I'm not holy and sinless? Well, the answer is it's not my righteousness. It's his righteousness. And that, I'll be honest, that clears up almost all of the controversy that we argue about, about salvation. All the different opinions and all the different beliefs, if you just get it down straight, it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with him. Everything else works. So the standard is 100% to make it. So you will not make it if you do not uh, live a 100% sinless life. <clears throat> so Jesus is the righteousness of God. If I want to be accepted by God, I need Jesus, who is sinless and who is holy, to be my righteousness, so God will accept me as he accepts his son. Faith in Jesus, a lot of people say they have faith in Jesus. Here's something you're not allowed to do. I want you guys to get this. I don't know that this applies to anybody here, but I want to make it really, really plain. Maybe someone will hear this message. Someone will see this message. I want to make this really, really clear. Here's something. This, this is not an option. You don't get to say this. I have a complete faith in Jesus, and I know I will go to heaven as long as I do this and this and this and this and this. Because <laughs> then it's you and Jesus. Listen, Jesus doesn't need your help to save you. Are you, are you guys getting that? 
It's not, it's not, uh, I believe in Jesus and I, I believe I'll go to heaven. Boy, I put my faith in Jesus and as long as I'm what I'm supposed to be, I'm going to make it. <laughs> if that's your attitude, you're not going to make it. Because <laughs> it's all about him. Now, I think the Bible just makes that so clear and I think we understand that, that part. So if we understood what I just said, and if you believe what I just said, Jesus is the righteousness of God. Jesus is my righteousness. If you believe that, number one, come on, guys, talk to me. Number one, if that is true, what should we be doing during worship service? Listen, you guys have no hope. You have no hope. And you found the one hope. And we're going to talk about him. Somebody ought to get excited. Someone ought to say, that's my Jesus right there. He's never failed me. He's never forsaken. That's my Jesus. It's all right to say, I'm excited. I raise my hands. I love Jesus. That's my Jesus. Because you realize there's no hope. There is no hope without Jesus. And because of Jesus, I am accepted by God. And, and, and here's the truth, guys. This is, you, you really can't have it any other way. I know I'm being dogmatic, but it just really irritates me when we get the gospel wrong. You can't have it any other way. When God looks down at Gary, he sees me as his son because I am covered in the blood of Jesus and his righteousness is all that God can see. I have very, very... Um, dogmatically said many times to you guys, I know I'm going to heaven. And you say, preacher, you're so arrogant. No, I'm counting on Jesus. If Jesus fails, I don't make it. I'm not worried about Jesus failing. I'm not worried about him failing. He's going to get me there because it's not about me. It's all about him because his blood is what makes me holy and righteous. And literally, if you understand it, we talk about the blood of Jesus all the time. But in the Bible, the, if you study it out all throughout the Old Testament, the Bible always represents life. The life is in the blood. The life of Jesus is what covers me. What kind of a life did he live? A sinless life. So his sinless life covers me. And when God looks down, he doesn't see me. He sees Jesus. Now, I'm just thinking that a group of people at Sand Hill Church who believe that, when we get to singing about, uh, um, Brother Richard singing about he lives, that ought to make somebody excited. We get to talk about we've never been forsaken. That ought to make somebody excited. We get to talk about loving my Jesus. That ought to make somebody excited because, listen, we're here because of Jesus. And it's all right to get excited about Jesus because without Jesus, we're going to hell. And that's kind of important that we get that right. So <clears throat> Paul then goes on to say, he, he, he speaks to them about... Uh, Again, four and five and six there about about the the law of Moses and keeping the law of Moses and how that that Jesus is the end of the law, and that just simply means you can't have so so let, let's get this straight the end of the law you can say well that means we don't live under the Mosaic law anymore well there is a reference here to the Mosaic law but I want to I want to argue the point there's a reference here to anything that you can offer. You can't have Jesus and your righteousness. That's like oil and water. 
Those two things just don't go together. Your goodness and Jesus' goodness are not going to fit in the same container. You can either get rid of your righteousness or get rid of his righteousness, but you can't put them both in the same bottle. Amen? It's all about Jesus. And so Paul then goes on to say at the end of uh, verse number 3, let's just read the whole thing again now, uh, verse 3, 4, they being ignorant of God's righteousness, going about to establish their own righteousness, how they live is going to get them to heaven, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Submission. Ooh, what a word. Submission to God. The idea of submission is surrender, of laying down what I have to offer. It, it is a, a, a full dependence on him. I'm submitting to him. I'm, I'm, I'm fully submitting to, to God. And Paul said that's what the Jewish people wouldn't do. That's why they could not be saved. So submission to God, point number three, I offer, get this straight, guys, no righteousness of my own now listen before or after salvation is there anybody here believes that is is this is this not what the bible teaches or is it what the bible teaches does anybody know what the book of isaiah says about your righteousness by the way filthy rags how do i say this Filthy rags in the Old Testament was um, what women used because they didn't have anything else to use. That's about the most vile thing that a person could, that could ever come into your mind is, is that, that filthy rag. He says, when you do your very best and live your best life you can live, that's what it is to God. Is anybody getting a picture? <laughs> you can't be good enough to please God. You can't do enough to earn his salvation. Here's what I never have understood, and I, I, I don't understand this. I, I, I just can't get my brain around it. Maybe you guys can talk to me after service. I don't understand where almost everybody believes, no matter what your doctrine is, almost everybody believes before you get saved, nothing you do is good enough to get you to heaven. How do we turn it around then and say, okay, but now that I'm saved and my sins are gone, now i got to be good enough to make it to heaven. If it wasn't good enough before you got saved, it's not good enough after you get saved. You aren't good enough to go to heaven. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need Jesus. And he gives us his righteousness. So I offer no righteousness of my own. All my faith is in Jesus. Amen? All my faith is in Jesus. Either Jesus gets me to heaven or I don't go. And, and, and that is salvation. That is the, the true definition of, of salvation. So literally, Jesus is my righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, speaking of Jesus, that, he, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Did you guys get that? I get to be the righteousness of God because Jesus is in me. I am holy and sinless and perfect in God's eyes because of Jesus. 
Now that's salvation, guys. That's what the Bible teaches very, very clearly. So you say, preacher, if you believe that, then that means that I can get saved and, and I can just do anything I want to. I can live sinful and I can go do anything I want to because it's not about me, it's about him. And there are people who have taken that position and, and that is a very um, um, misrepresented belief. <clears throat> so let's, let's read what the Bible has to say about it. Ephesians, I know everybody knows this, most of you can quote it. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, 10. For by grace are ye saved through faith, that, not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Plainly, you're saved by faith, and that's not about you. Not of works, nothing that you do, lest you think it was about you and you start boasting. But then look at what verse 10 says. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So here's what the Bible actually teaches, guys. <clears throat> I bring nothing to the cross. I bring nothing but, but filth to the cross. I get up from the cross and I am saved. I have nothing to offer. I can give him nothing. Josh has been teaching you guys that, that we have to live by faith, and that's by letting Jesus live through us. And when Jesus lives through us, we can be good because Jesus is living through us. But without Jesus living through you, you can't be good. That's the plain teaching of the Bible. And this is teaching us here that if I get up and I have nothing to offer Jesus, so you say, well, I can't be good enough to go to heaven, and if I do bad things, it doesn't keep me from going to heaven, so why should I live right? Here's the thing. Here's what we've got to get down straight. According to uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10, if you get this real faith, God takes control of your life. He makes you His workmanship. He takes you and puts you on the lathe and He begins sculpting you to look like what he wants you to look like. So if you tell me, preacher, I know I'm saved. I've put my faith in Jesus Christ. I have nothing righteous to offer him. I, I, all my faith is in Jesus. But then you just continue to live a sinful life. Then you aren't living up to Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. Because it says he's going to live inside of you and he's going to shape you and mold you into what he wants you to be so as you'll be ordained to good works because he's inside of you and not because it will get you to heaven. Is that, is that understood by you guys? And listen, any other distortion of that is really heresy. It's all about Jesus. It's all about what he does. It's all of what he does through us. And so if you, uh, um, if you, the 12th chapter of Hebrews, it speaks about being chastised. If you're not being chastised, if you say, I put all my faith in Jesus, but I can go out and I can, I can look at pornography, I can lie, I can cuss, I can do anything. I don't, you know, I'm saved by faith and I, I'm, I'm going to heaven. He said, if that's not chastising you, you didn't get saved. You're, you're, you're not a Christian. You can deceive yourself in thinking you're believing in him, but if you're believing in him, he will come and live inside of you. And can I say this? He doesn't come to be partners. 
he comes to take over. Submission is, Lord, come into my house and you can run things from here on out. That's submission. Submission is not, I open the door, you can come in, but when you start to do things I don't like, I'm going to be back in control. No, submission is, Lord, come into my life and live any way you want to live. I am yours. And so as a Christian, we have all of our faith in Him. It's all about Him. He gets all the credit. See, we get to heaven one day. We, we, when they're going to be something real, real soon, we might all be in heaven, right? The rapture could come any time. We could all be in heaven real soon. And listen, if we don't, the rapture doesn't come, we ain't going to live that much longer. Amen? But we could be in heaven real soon. When we get to, let me, let me, let this preacher make you a promise. But Charles, when we get there, if I'm wrong, you can come look me up, but, but I'm right, okay? When we get to heaven and we first step foot into heaven, won't that be a glorious day? Amen. We're going to know beyond any shadow of a doubt it was all about Jesus. Heaven's going to be all about Jesus. Charles isn't going to be saying, yeah, I, I went to church for all those years. That's why I'm here. You guys aren't going to say, man, I paid my tithes. I read my Bible. I, I, I went to Bible studies. I did this, that. No, ain't no none of that going on. When we get to heaven, you know what we're going to say? I don't deserve to be here, but praise God, the Lamb of God delivered me from my sins. I'm in heaven because of Him. Amen. And we'll spend all of eternity on our faces praising Him because He forgave us of our sins, and we'll know we don't deserve to be there, but we're there because of Him. Amen. That is Christianity. That's Christianity. I know people have good intentions. Try not to rabbit trail too far here. I know people have good intentions, and, and, and like the Jews, maybe it's because they don't have knowledge. But there are people who have said, well, if you want to be a Christian, you have to do this, and you have to do this, and you have to do this, and you have to do that. And if you don't do that, you're not a Christian. <clears throat> and if you think you got saved and you do that, then you then just, and, and all these things. And, and what they're trying to do is they're trying to make sure that people live a good, clean life uh, if they say they're saved. And that might be commendable and that might be um, um, done for the right reasons. But here's the thing. That really makes Jesus small. Because here's what I'm saying. Brother Kevin, you got saved, but Jesus isn't good enough to make you good, so I'm going to help Jesus out and I'm going to give you some things you have to do to make sure you're good enough. <laughs> Does, did you guys get that? Joyce, if you want to go to heaven, if you'll do this and this and this, then, then I think you'll make it. What I'm saying is if Jesus lives inside of you, he's not good enough to, to do a good job of cleaning you up. Does anybody think Jesus can clean you up? Let's see the hands of anybody here. Jesus cleaned you up. Has God made a difference in your life? Has he got in there and washed off all that dirt and made you clean? Is he still cleaning you up? How many of you think he can do it better than the pastor? Amen. Amen. He cleans us up. And let me listen, listen to me, guys. If you're here this morning, if you're watching this online, if you're listening to this podcast, let me tell you this. If he's not cleaning you up, you're not saved. You're not saved. If there's not a work going on, a lot of us can testify. We've been at this a long time. He's had a lot of work to do. He's been making changes for years and years and years, and he's still making changes now, right? But if he's not cleaning you up, you're not saved. We're saved by faith in Jesus alone. If we're saved, he will make us his workmanship. He will clean us up, and he will cause us to live right. If you don't live right, you just prove he's not inside of you cleaning you up. 
right? So if we understand that, submitting to, the, to God is, is, is just all about him. So then the, the, these popular verses that we, that we hear so often and on the altars and, and quoted in church, but Romans uh, 10, 9, and 10, <clears throat> but what saith it, uh, the word is nigh thee even in thy mouth and in thy heart, the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart, that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now, those verses are very popular, and those verses we use when people come to, to be saved, and, and that's all great. And if we get it right, those verses are what it takes to get saved. But, but let's look back at what we've already learned, and let's try to plug it into... Let's try to plug it into these verses. The word confess, we find that in, in verse 9 and verse 10, the word confess or confession. The word confess in the Greek means to agree with God. That, that's what that word literally means is to agree with God. So I come down as a sinner and what am I agreeing to? God, I have nothing to offer you. I have nothing good. God, I can't go to heaven without your goodness which is Jesus Christ. I'm admitting, I'm agreeing with God that I can't do anything in and of myself and that I need Jesus to get me to heaven. When I confess that, when I believe that in my heart, when I acknowledge that it isn't about me, it's all about him, when I do that, he said he will save me. He said he will save me. Now, not to confuse anybody, But if you get your doctrine wrong, because there are people who have had people come down to the, to the altars lost and they're working with them on the altar and they just say, confess Jesus and believe it in your heart. And the sinner will say, I believe in my heart and, and I confess that I'm saved. And they'll get up and they'll say, the Bible says you're saved. Well, that is what it says, but you got to understand what you're confessing. What are you confessing? You're confessing that you're no good. You're confessing that it's all about Jesus. You're confessing that you're going to submit your life to let him rule it. You're, you're confessing uh, that, that if he is living in you, he's going to clean you up. And when you confess that and you believe that, God promises that he will save you. I would even go as far as to say he can't not save you because he said he would. But we don't get to make this say what we want it to say. We have to make it say what God says, and God says it's agreeing with him that you need Jesus or you can't make it to heaven. And, and so if, if that is true, I love the way this ends. I absolutely love verse 11. So if you get all of that, what we just preached, for the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Guys, can I tell you that's really important? The word, uh, the word ashamed uh, in the Greek, it means to dishonor, to blush, to have shame. But he said, if you get saved, you won't have any shame. Do you know how we keep from having shame? This is really, really important because this is really important because people get this all mixed up. Have you ever seen that Christian that bows their head and says, I'm just no good, I don't know if I'm going to make it? 
they might think they're being humble. What they're really doing is they're disgracing Jesus Christ. Because if he's your Savior, you're going to make it. If he's not your Savior, you need to get him as your Savior. But you don't get to say, I have him as my Savior, but I'm no good. We already know that. Okay, we already know that, right? I'm not ashamed. Why am I not ashamed? I can rear my shoulders back into Sand Hill Church, and I can tell all of you guys I'm going to heaven, and God accepts me. Why? Because of Jesus. I'm not ashamed. I'm not embarrassed. You say, have you messed up? Oh, lots and lots of times. Have you sinned? Yeah, I have a lot. Do you still sin? Yeah, I do. But I'm not ashamed. Now, I'm ashamed of Gary. I'm very ashamed of Gary. But my, my, my righteousness is in Jesus Christ. And I don't have to be embarrassed about that because I stand justified before a holy God with Jesus Christ. Amen? But Charles, I don't know why anybody doesn't want that. I, I, don't, I don't know why anybody doesn't want that. How do you sit in church and hear that and say, nope, I don't want that? I, I don't know that anybody is lost here this morning. Maybe someone listening is lost. But I don't know. How do you listen to that and understand that you only hope you have is to surrender your whole life to Jesus Christ? And that he will, just by virtue of his goodness, make you righteous and holy, and you get to go to heaven. Why would anybody say, I don't want that? Why would anybody do that? Why would you say, I'll take my chances on how good I am? Why would you say, I'm going to go on living life my own way? And I hope everybody here has accepted Jesus. But can I just say this? Even if you've been in this church for years, even if everybody thinks you're saved, whatever the case may be, if you're here and you haven't accepted him as your righteousness, today's the day you need to do it. Man, I wouldn't walk out that door for nothing. If I didn't know he was my righteousness, I would not leave this building. Because can I tell you, you may never walk in here again. Isn't that just a fact of life? Raise your hand if you know for sure you'll be back tonight, no question about it. You may not be living tonight, right? I could, I could die of a heart attack. I, you know, Renee might kill me. Who knows what's going to happen, right? It, it could happen, right? But I may not be back tonight. I'd get it right today. And if anyone's listening to this online or in the podcast, uh, I just encourage you, if you don't know Jesus as your righteousness, today's the day. We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we may together embolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.